Well, I don't know how I can beat those announcements. That's pretty good. Um, hey, seriously, every week, um, when you guys see it for the first time, I'm seeing it for the first time. So I have no idea what's, what's gonna about, to, about to happen, so it kind of keeps me on my toes. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Clayton, the pastor here at Central. Uh, today's going to be a crazy day, uh, a lot of stuff happening already, and we have a big message uh, for today. So if you'd like to follow along with the message, QR codes on all the screens right there, you can uh, scan those, and you can follow along with uh, the, the sermon for um, this morning. Well, just like they said on the screen, we are in the middle of this, this series, actually on week number two. And last week, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, you have your Bibles, you can turn there. In Matthew 5, Jesus starts off and talks about the Beatitudes. And so last week, we talked about that. If you missed it, go online, YouTube, Facebook, and you can watch um, those messages or that message. We talked about the Beatitudes, and it was the, it's the, the, the what we're supposed to do. And then the salt and light portion of the, of the sermon is the why we are supposed to be doing the Beatitudes. It's so that we can make a difference in this world. We can be salt and light in this world. And Jesus, he speaks to the, his disciples who are kind of in the front. And then all of the crowd, which was behind him, and says, hey, if you want to be a follower of mine, being a disciple of mine looks like those Beatitudes, to be humble, okay? To, to uh, be heartbroken over your, your sin, to be hungry for a relationship with Jesus, and to help people and to love people in Jesus' name. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And honestly, I think people in that, in that outside when they were looking at, watching the Sermon on the Mount or us in this room, we kind of feel good about those things. We're like, hey, I can do that. I can, I can fulfill some of those beatitudes. I can make that a part of my life. You might feel good about that, but the people that were in this room... <laughs> had a problem. The people that were watching or listening to the sermon had a problem, and Jesus, Jesus knew it. He knew what was going on in their hearts. He could, he could understand their hearts. And the problem they had was kind of like one of their heroes had in the Old Testament, which was King Solomon. Y'all remember King Solomon, wise man that's ever lived, richest man that's ever lived. He had everything, and honestly, he loved it. He loved to have all of those things. In fact, if you look in 1 Kings um, chapter 11, here's what the Bible says. It says, now King Solomon, he loved many foreign, foreign women. Do y'all know that? Maybe not. I don't know. He, he, had, he had a bunch of women in his life. 700, okay? Guys, it's not a good idea, okay? Um, so 700 women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, so the princess of, of Egypt, he married women from Moab, Ammon, uh, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. And the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel and said this, you must not marry them because they will, they will turn your hearts. They will turn your hearts to their gods. So he said, hey, this is a clear thing that we're not, you're not supposed to do. But the very next part of the scriptures says this, yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He said, thanks God, but I'm gonna do my own thing. Thank you for giving me all the wealth in the world. Thank you for giving me all the wisdom in the world. But I'm going to do my own thing. Why? Because I love it. I love it so much. In fact, it fulfills me. Or he thought that it fulfilled him. And so he spent his life chasing after things that he thought were going to fulfill him, and they didn't. And the people who were hearing the Sermon on the Mount, they were kind of in the same boat. They were all chasing after something that was, they, were holding on, they, they were holding on to something they thought could could fulfill them. 
But, Pete, but before, um, we, so before we jump into that, I think you and I are the same way. So we love to like talk about these biblical characters and how they messed up and how they did things wrong. But the truth is, is that you and I are very similar. We cling to things that we are we're so strongly for or so strongly against. And these are our stances, and no one's ever going to move us in that meter. Like we're, we're going to stay in that spot no matter what. For example, we have some religious beliefs that we hold strongly to. And I think those things are great. We should hold on to those things. But there's also some things in our religiousness that aren't really in the Bible. It's just things that we want to hold on to or believe or practice. But we hold on to those things so strong, we say no one can ever move us or sway us. You know, the thing we do is we, we are so, have such strong convictions about our culture. And so we look at our culture and we say, man, everything is falling apart and, and our culture is, is falling away. And we have this, this idea of what we want our culture to be like and we're wondering what has happened. But probably the biggest one that we have is our political views, right? We have some political views that we hold on to so strongly. And if you guys have been awake for the last couple of months, which I think everybody in this room has, then you've probably heard about the big things that are going on, right? There are these, there are these two big, big uh, decisions that have come down through the, the Supreme Court, and it's become a divisive thing for our entire country between guns and abortion. Can we get more divisive than those two things? I mean, come on, those are, those are massive things. And I, I'm not here to like, tell you what's right and wrong in the middle of that. That's, that's not my, my place here. I'm here to tell you what Jesus has to say, okay, from today's message. But I will say this, that the way, what you believe about those things are so strong. I get it. I get it. And have you ever had a conversation with someone on the opposite view? Has it ever gone good? No. It's why when, when family comes over, you're like, hey, we're not going to talk about that. You know, we're just not going to bring it up. Because we know it's going to go bad, and everything's going to fall apart. And so we just don't even bring those things up. We have these, these views that we hold on to really, really strongly. Well, in Jesus' day, the people were the same way. In fact, I would say that they held on to some, some things, some laws, even stronger than you hold on to some things in your life. In fact, the scribes and the Pharisees, who were like the religious elite of the day, they held on to these laws so much, these Old Testament laws so much, that they even added on to them and made sure everybody could see that they were, they were living even above the law, okay, to show just how much they, they loved holding and keeping the law. So Jesus, he needed to deal with that because there's probably some scribes and Pharisees in the audience, and there's also a lot of people that were not Jesus followers, a lot of people that were Jewish followers, and they lived their entire life following after the law. And so they, they held on to these things so strongly, and Jesus knew their hearts. He said, I need to deal with these things. I need to, to deal with the thing that consumes you and the thing that you're clinging on to so much. And here's the deal. I think that's what Jesus wants to do to us today. He wants us to deal with some things that maybe we didn't realize that we're holding on to and clinging on to really, really strongly. So Matthew chapter 5 Right after he gives the salt and light portion of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. 
Therefore, whoever relaxes one of least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, here's what he does. This is pretty, there's a lot of stuff going on there, but I'm going to simplify it for us today. Here's what he does. He teaches us and changes things. He opens it up and, and right off the bat and says, hey, guys, something is about to happen. Something is about to change. And he gives this earth-shattering and earth-changing new statement that these people had never heard before. And the way to sum it up would be to say this. Here's what he's saying. That nothing else matters but a relationship with Jesus. That is the message for today. That is what he's trying to say. He's saying, guys, I know that you love the law. I know that you're living for the law. I know that that consumes you. But he's saying, hey, I've got something better for you. I've got something better for you. So just imagine being one of those, those Jewish people in the audience, okay? Almost all of them were Jewish um, followers. Just imagine what your life was like, how you had to... He had to follow the law to the T, right? And every day, it consumed you. I mean, what you ate, okay? You had to look in, in the Bible. Can I eat this? Can I not eat this? Okay? The people I could talk to, the people I could not talk to. Can, can I do that? Uh, what time I could do certain things and what time I, I couldn't do some certain things. The places I could go and the places I was not allowed to go. Even the dress that I, that I wore, the things, I didn't wear a dress, okay. But, uh, sorry, that didn't come out right. Okay, so like the clothing um, that, that, that you could wear, it, it depended on the scripture. You had to look at that and say, is it okay for me to, to do this or not? And so do you see how it consumed them? It just consumed their lives. And Jesus, right off the bat, says, hey, I've got something different for you. And the crowd, their entire identity and their hope in life was found in the law. And Jesus says something to them. He says this. He says, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff matters compared to knowing me. Look what happens in John. John chapter 5. Jesus says this. You search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. Okay? He's saying like in the law, following the law, the Old Testament guys, okay? And following the law, okay, these guys, they didn't have the New Testament then, okay? So all they had, the law, is the Old Testament. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that if you follow them, if you live by them, then you're going to gain acceptance by God. You're going to get eternal life. And he says this, but guess what? The scriptures, they point to me. The whole Old Testament is talking about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know what? I am way more important than this. I'm way more important than this. I'm way more important than your Bible. Now, you better listen to the whole sermon, okay? Don't like quote that and just and, and, and walk away here. But that's in a nutshell, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, compared to a relationship with me, nothing else matters. And some people were probably saying, you know what? So Jesus is saying, like, Everybody needs to take out their Old Testament, like tear it out, and let's just get rid of it. And that's not what Jesus is saying at all. In fact, he talks about it immediately following that statement. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. He says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so he says the law and the prophets, what is he talking about? Well, the law was the first five books of the Old Testament, okay? 
and the prophets were pretty much like the rest of, of the Old Testament, okay? So you have the entire scriptures, the entire Old Testament in your Bibles, okay? The vast majority of, of the pages in your Bible. And he's saying all of those things, that's the entirety, that's the law and the prophets. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish them. And the word abolish means literally like to tear it out, okay, or to break it down. He's saying, I've not done that. I've come to fulfill those things. And you think, how in the world has Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. And I think that's one of the, the hang-ups that a lot of us have. It's kind of confusing to think of the way that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Or maybe say it this other way. How does the New Testament and Old Testament work together? Because I can read some things in the Old Testament, I'm like, that's whack. Like, that's crazy. Like, some of those things, some of those laws, like, why are they doing that? Why did, why did God say that? I'm confused. Because it seems like in the, in the New Testament that there's a contradiction there. Like, it doesn't really make sense to me. And so there's confusion there because it's, it's culturally different from Jesus' day all the way back to, to the very beginning. And Jesus says, no, I have come not to take this away, but I've come to fulfill it. So let me show you just in, in one screen how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament in a really simple way. So here's, here's, here's how he does this. First, he does it with the law. So you had all these laws, about 613 laws in the Old Testament. And, you, and you, there's, there's some ki different kinds of laws in there. Like we mainly know the Ten Commandments, but there's a whole lot more than just that. And here's what Jesus says. I fulfill the law by my perfect obedience. Him being perfect, him being sinless. He's saying, you don't have to live your life trying to obey every part of the law, and if you mess up, you are condemned. He says, I have fulfilled that for you on your behalf. But also, he fulfills the law through the prophecies. So, so the rest of the Old Testament, full of prophecies of, of, uh, of Jesus, okay, and what's going to happen, and of, of God, and what he's going to do. And Jesus says, I fulfill those things with my life. His life fulfilling those prophecies, and eventually his death fulfilling those prophecies. We know the third thing he does in the Old Testament, the way he fulfills the Old Testament is a big one. It's the sacrifices. Remember the other couple weeks ago we talked about what a bloody mess this place would be if we still had to live by the Old Testament sacrificial law. It would be, be nasty. We need some tarps up in here. It would be gross. But we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus, he fulfills that through his death. But that doesn't mean that the whole Bible isn't important. In fact, Jesus goes on and says that. That the whole Bible is important. Look what he says the very next verse, verse 18. He says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Okay, what is he, what's he talking about there? What's an iota and a dot? I don't know. Okay, so the iota and dot, that's like Hebrew speak for the, the smallest like little marking when you're writing Hebrew. Okay? And he's saying not, a, not, not the smallest, tiniest portion of the, of the, of the Old Testament is irrelevant. All of it is important. From the, from the great things to the small things, all of it's important. In fact, he talks about it and says in verse 19, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying here that the Old Testament is important, all of it. The big stuff and the small stuff, the stories, the prophecies, uh, because they're stories about God. So we're not supposed to discard them. But what he's saying is, is don't let them consume you. I think a lot of times in our walk with God, our pursuit of God, we let some things consume us that were never meant to consume us. Th some things that should never drive us, but we let them take control. 
Look what happens in Romans chapter 7. Paul says this. Now we are released from the law. Okay? That's a big statement. Having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. He's saying that we're not to disregard the Old Testament, but instead we're supposed to worship the God who, who wrote the Old Testament. That's what he's saying, okay? So there's a difference between that. Y'all track with me? They're supposed to be worshiping the God who wrote it, not the writings themselves. We're not, we're not bound to those things anymore. And so if you focus on Jesus, then you're no longer bound by what we call the Old Testament, okay? So the other, another way of saying the Old Testament is the Old Covenant. You're not bound by the Old Covenant anymore. Instead, you're bound by a, the New Testament or the, the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is all about relationship with Jesus and this law of Christ, this new law that he gives us, which is grace through faith. And he says, here's how you follow it. There's this new covenant. You follow it through this, this one law. And he, he says it in a couple different ways. One's in Matthew chapter 22. He says, you must love the Lord your God. We know this one, right? With all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. commandment. And a second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. For the entire law and the prophets are based on these two commandments. So the entire law and the prophets, right? All the Old Testament are based off of these two commandments, love God and love people. And he also says this in John chapter 13. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Here's what he says. He says, everything's changed, guys. You're no longer bound by those things. So Jesus, he gives this, this clear direction for the rest of his sermon. He says, I am setting this, this new standard for you guys to live by, this new way of life. And so what he does for the rest of chapter 5 is he gives six examples. So we're going to go through those really fast, just kind of hit the highlights on, on them. But there are six examples of how this plays itself out. And he bookmarks these examples by these two statements we'll get to at the very end. But let's, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 21, he says this, you have heard that it was said to those of old. So throughout the rest of Matthew 5, he says this six times, okay? He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. You, you've heard that it was said. Or he's talking about, he's talking about the Old Testament. You got, guys are like, hey, you guys remember BBS when you were told that, right? You remember reading that? You remember reading that in the scrolls? You remember reading that um, in Isaiah? You remember reading that in Genesis? He says, you remember these things, right? And he says, he says remember what you were taught. And over the next 27 verses, he begins to describe these six Old Testament laws. So let's look at them real quick. Old Testament laws throughout the rest of Matthew chapter 5. So we're going to jump through the Matthew, rest of Matthew 5 today. Here's the first one. Do not murder. Okay? You've heard that it was said to those of old, do not murder. Yeah, I get it. Okay? So that's, that's one of the laws of the Old Testament. Here's another one. Do not commit adultery. So that's like the second one. Second one is, do not divorce immorally. Do not get a divorce immorally. The fourth one is to, to not swear falsely. We'll explain all those here in just a second. The fifth one is this, to, to seek, seeking equal payback is okay. Do y'all know that was in the Bible? Old Testament says it's okay to make things even, to get payback. An eye for an eye. 
tooth for a tooth. You've heard that it was said. You can go to the Old Testament, you can read that. And finally, he gives, gives a final one that this was based off an interpretation of the Old Testament. And he says this, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So you guys remember when it was said that? Remember when that, people told you that? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy, based off of the Old Testament? And everybody's like, yeah, I remember that. And Jesus gives them a new standard. All six of these, he says, he says, but I say to you. So he says, you've heard that it was said, and he gives this, this law. And he says, but I say to you. I've got something different for you. And so here's, I'm just going to kind of review these real quick and show you how Jesus changes things and gives us a new standard. And I want you to think about this. What is he really talking about here? For you personally, what is the issue that he's trying to deal with? Here's what he says. When you, when, instead of murdering you, someone, your heart is a thing. It says, you've heard it said, do, do not murder. But I say that any, anyone who, who is angry with his brother has technically committed murder. What is he talking about? It's about your heart, right? Inside your heart, if your heart is sinful, that is the real root issue. Your heart is angry. When he talks about adultery, what he's really saying is that your mind is lustful. So it's not about, so back then, it's like, hey, I can, you know, I can think about, I can think those thoughts. As long as I don't act on them, then I'm not, I'm not disobeying the law. And Jesus says, that's not, that's not the, what the law is about. The law is about following God, and I'm giving you this new standard that, sorry dudes in this room, if you ever looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her, right? Ugh, that's, that's rough, you know? Every single one of us guys in this room, and ladies too, okay? So he says, your heart is the real issue. Here's the other one. He talks about divorce. What he's really talking about is how your relationships are unfaithful. So it's not about like, the way you get a divorce or the reason really, it's like your relationships are unfaith. You're unfaithful in your relationship and it's brought you to this point. Or that person has been unfaithful and it's brought you to this point. He goes on and says, talks about swearing an oath. So back then, um, it was like it was really, really bad if you swore to God that you were going to do something. So you didn't do that. And so you'd say, I swear to the temple, you know, I swear to to this, I swear to the earth, I swear to Jerusalem, I swear to my mom's grave, whatever, right? You know, they would, they would say, those, say those things. He says, don't do that at all. Instead, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What is he talking about? He's talking about your character, that you have dishonesty in your character. And so when people hear you say something, they're like, nah, he's not going to follow through with that, you know? Because they, they, they realize what kind of character you have. He's getting to the root of the issue. When the Bible talks about getting even with people, like payback, what he's really talking about is your walk is fake. Because you say that you, you love people, and yet you want things to be equal. You want to get back at them. You're not, you're not being a servant. You don't have humility in your life. You're just wanting to make things even and fair. Right, kids? Like every kid wants life to be fair. And adults, we do the same thing. And this last one, now, this last one's a little bit different, but it's really kind of talk about prejudice. So love your neighbor, people that are like you, the people that look like you, the people that act like you, the people, people that believe the same thing as you believe, and the people that are different than you, just hate them. 
like shun them. In fact, the Old Testament, they, they, they thought that's what the Old Testament was teaching them. What Jesus is saying is that the problem with your love is that it's conditional. You know? I love you just as long as I hate you if you do this. And aren't you glad that Jesus' love is not conditional? Can you imagine where we would be if his love was conditional based on our actions or who we are? But it's not. And he says, I want you to be like me. You see, all of this is all about the heart. It's this new standard that Jesus gives us. This, this thing we call the, the law of Christ. To love God and love others. And I was thinking about this. How can you illustrate the law of Christ and what, is it, what does it really do in our lives? Based off of Jesus' example here, okay, about, about these things and really getting down to the, the heart of the matter. So if you want to remember something, you can remember this. And it'll be up on the screen right here. That the law of Christ is a shovel, okay? It acts like a shovel in your life in, in a couple ways. First, it un uncovers the root of your sin. You know what it's like when you go out and just cut weeds down? What's going to happen? They're going to grow back eventually. Because, simple illustration, right? Because you didn't get the roots out. And so if you really want the, the weeds to be gone, you got to pull them up or poison them to kill the roots. And that's what the law of Christ, loving God and loving others, that's what it does. It, it, it changes your perspective. It gets down to the, the root of the issue, your heart. It's talking about not being fake, guys. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about next week, okay? Not being fake. Jesus knew their hearts. He knows our hearts. And he gets right to the issue of it. So that's what the law of Christ does. It gets, it gets down into the roots. Instead of being all about what um, our external actions are, that's what the Pharisees were doing, okay? That's what it was about, about being a, a follower of, of the, the law, the Old Testament law. It was about these the external actions. Jesus says, no, it's about your heart. It's about the root cause of the issue. And that's what the law of Christ does. It unearths that. It makes us think about that. Are we really loving God? Are we really loving other, peop other people? Are we just following something? Are we just doing, living by these practices? He says, I want you to check your heart. Second way that the, the law of Christ is the shovel is that it, it cuts the path for your walk. It shows you where to go, right? If you're, if you're, cutting a path, you, you use a shovel and you, you take out all the debris and all the junk so that you can, you can walk the cer a certain way. But the problem is a lot of us, we take that shovel, we put it down, and we go on our own journey, like in the wilderness, thinking we, we know the way. And God's saying, if you just follow me, I will show you which way you're supposed to, go, supposed to go. And it changes your actions. Like when, you, when you're really following after Jesus, when you're loving God, you're loving other people, it changes your actions, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you can fulfill all those beatitudes. All of a sudden, you can fulfill all those, those laws that you're supposed to deep down in your heart. Let me go one step further. This is kind of a little extra today. But I was thinking about that last um, law. So the first five, you can go in the Old Testament and you can find those. But you know that, that last law? Like I said, it's not in the Bible. But it was based off of people's interpretation of the Bible. The Bible never says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? But where did that come from? It came from what people were saying. And I want you to think about this. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it. Jesus never says, 
you have seen that it was written. He says, you have heard that it was said. Here's my question for you. What have you heard? What have you heard? Because I think for a lot of us, the things that we hold strongly to are not really even in the Bible. They're just stuff that we've heard. They're just stuff that we religiously believe. They're just stuff that we, we grew up thinking that that was the right way. And if I were to go, you'd say, where is that in the Bible? And you're like, well, that's in there, I promise. <laughs> you know, I promise you it's in there. Let me ask this in another way. Are you following the Bible or just what you've heard? Because the reality is there's a lot of things that we've heard that may not be in the Bible. Here's some things that we've heard. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Jonah, that's not in the Bible. It never says that he was swallowed by a whale. What does it say? A big fish, a great fish, okay? So we, we think it's a whale, and they're like, just shot him out the top or whatever. Like, you know, you're talking about, like when you're little and you saw those, those pictures, the whale's got a smiley face and all that kind of stuff. Noah's got a candle in there somehow. I don't know how that happens. But you know what I'm talking about, right? We, we've heard those, those stories. That's not even in the Bible, okay? Never talks about a whale. How about this one? Money is the root of all evil. The Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money, okay? When you love money more than you love God, then your pursuit in life is, those, is that instead of God. And it says that it's the root of all kinds of evil, the love of that. How about this one? God won't give you more than you can handle. We'd love to say that one, and most of us realize, okay, that's not in the Bible. Because the truth is, God is always going to give you more than you can handle. That's the point, Right? The point is, for your need for a Savior, if you could handle everything in this life, you have no need for him. Here's what he says. You're going to get points in your life where you can't handle it, but I can. I can. How about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Where's that in the Bible? We say it all the time. We have, yeah, you just need to get, get to work. You know, God helps those who help themselves. Right? That's not in the Bible. You know where that came from? Benjamin Franklin, okay? And you know where else it came from? It comes from the Quran. Surah 311 says that. says that Allah will help those who help themselves. And the reality is, is that God helps the helpless. That's what he does. He comes in and rescues us because, because we're broken without him. I love this one. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Asking Jesus into your heart. Where is that found in the Bible? It's not. Now, it's a good, it's a good metaphor. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, okay? I'm just, that's, it's a good metaphor for, for giving your, your life to Jesus, okay? Asking him to come into your heart. But saying a specific prayer and asking Jesus to come and live in your heart, that's not in the Bible, guys. It's not. Now, it's a good way that we, we try to use it to help people to see what it means to give your life to Jesus, but that's not actually found in scriptures. Here's the deal. We get caught up so much 
in the weeds of some of these religious rules and religious practices that we have. And my fear is, is that we start to look more like the Pharisee than a follower of Jesus. And the people in the crowd were dealing with that. And Jesus knew it. And here's what I'd like to say that'll probably get me in trouble as well. That's okay. It's kind of my job here some days. One of, my, one of my rules is to always make someone mad in every sermon that I preach. So here we go. You know, one of the things that, that we <laughs> in our culture deal with is we hold on to some things so tightly um, that are great things, but they're not the ultimate thing. And my encouragement to you is this. When it comes to being a follower of Christ, if you had to choose one thing over the other, my prayer for you and for me as well is that you would be biblical more than just being Baptist. Let me say that again. Your identity is not being Baptist, a part of Central Baptist Church. Even though I love that. Man, I've been a Baptist my entire life. I'm telling you this. You should find your identity in being a believer, a biblical believer more than being just a Baptist. Because here's the deal, guys. The world could care less if you're a Baptist or not. The world could care less about what, what tradition you hold to. The world is, is looking for hope. And the hope is found in Jesus. It is the calling of our life to tell people not, hey, come be a Baptist. It's to tell people about Jesus. That's it. And yet there's some things that we hold on to so strongly. And if we would just like, mm, just release those things. And say, let's, let's, just, let's just be biblical. I'm not saying being a Baptist is unbiblical, but there are some things in every tradition that we hold on to, whether it's a Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or anything like that. We hold on to some things that we think give us life and purpose, and they don't. Now, all these standards, these do's and don'ts that Jesus is talking about, honestly, they can be overwhelming. Like, and that's kind of the point. I mean, Jesus knew that. He knew that they were going to be overwhelming. And so he sets this standard really high. He says, it's not about your external, your eternal, eternal, external actions. It's about your heart. Okay? And when that happens, man, that makes it difficult to live up to that high standard because we all know our hearts, don't we? We know how jacked up we are. And so that might be very demoralizing to, to, to all of us and probably to that crowd as well. And Jesus says something right before he lists all those six things and right after he lists those six things. And I want, you to, I want to show them to you right here on the screen. Here's what he says. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's what he says at the beginning, Okay. And then at the, the end, he says this. I love how he just threw this in the end. He says, hey, here's this list, all the things you got to live up to. Man, it's this high standard. And then he says this, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like there's no way I'm going to live up to those things. And I'll say this, the Sermon on the Mount is harder to follow than living up to the Ten Commandments. It's harder to live by that standard, this high standard that Jesus has for us than it is to follow the Old Testament law. And Jesus, he's setting up this, this high standard. 
that goes beyond the rules because he wants us to get something. He's saying to us, these things are impossible without me. It's impossible to live up to those things without me. So here's the point of all this. Here's the point of the whole message. If you were to remember one little statement that kind of sums up all of this, it's this statement. The life you're building will either make you or break you. Think about this. The things that you give your life to, it's either going to make you or break you. And that's what he was telling that crowd. I believe that's what Jesus is talking to us today as well. And he's given us an option. He says, here's the deal. You can live by all this religion, and it is going to break you. The Bible says that the law is weighty and heavy, and it condemns you. And if you want to live by that, if you want to be tied to that, go ahead. But it's going to break you. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hey, the law can never save you. The law is heavy. But Jesus says this. He also says that his burden is what? Light. He says, my burden is light. The law is heavy. My burden is light. You can either follow the law and make that ultimate in your life and the purpose of your life, or you can follow me. Choose. Make a choice. The question is, what are you living for? What are we living for? Are we living for like following this religious code that we set up for ourselves and just being good Christian, right? Are we actually following what Jesus called us to do? Are we truly being a disciple of Jesus? And here's something else I think that's important for you to write down is this simple statement, God, help me, right? God, I need help. I need help. If you think about the choices you make in this life, whether they're gonna make you or they're gonna break you, the reality is, is you need help. You need some serious help. And if you go back to the very first beatitude, if you remember it from last week, it talks about being poor in spirit. What does that mean? It means to be so like broken without God. Like this being spiritually bankrupt. Remember that? You're so spiritually bankrupt and broken that you're like, without God, I am worthless. There's no way that I'm living up to this standard. And that's where God wants you to be. Say, I can't do this on my own. I need help. I need help. So let me ask this final question for us today. Are you religious or are you a follower of Jesus? Because you can't be both can't be both. What are you living for? Are you living for a relationship with Jesus that changes your heart? Or are you just following a bunch of rules? And the beauty about it is that when you truly follow Jesus, living out that life and following the rules comes naturally. When you love God and love others, everything else falls in line. And that's when your life counts, instead of the pursuits of your life breaking you. And Jesus has something special for every single one of us. But here's the thing. We have to choose. What are you following? Following the law? Following Jesus? My prayer is that we would all follow Jesus.
Let's pray. God, thank you for the hope that is found in Christ because honestly, without Jesus, we are hopeless. I know this is kind of confusing sometimes to, to think about the difference between the law and grace and following Jesus and being religious, but I pray that you would show us, God, the point of all this. The point is that nothing matters compared to a relationship with Jesus. So I pray for everyone in this room who does have a relationship with Jesus, but maybe has drifted towards legalism, maybe has drifted towards just following a bunch of external and outward things to try to make ourselves look good. We'd love to follow these rules, but when was the last time we shared our faith? We'd love to let people see our righteousness, but when was the last time that we, we gave to someone in secret? That's what it's all about. Truly following Jesus instead of following a bunch of rules. I pray for people in this room watching online who have no relationship with you, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would convict their hearts to see that being a Christian does not mean saying no to all these things. It's about saying yes to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to pay for all of our sin. Thank you for, for rising from the grave to show your power over death. And you ask us to follow you, and you will give us life. I pray that every one of us in this room will do that, truly follow you. Help us, God, to do that because we can't do it on our own. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, they're just finishing up service in there and I wanted to come out and tell you that we love you guys and we're praying for you. If you made a decision today, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at prayer at cbcowasso.org and we'd love to respond to you, pray with you, and just be in that communication because you just made a decision. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, remember as we go out into the world that we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a good day.